All right, so let's make it plain. Welcome back to the Make It Plain Wayne podcast, where we will entertain, we will heal, and we will build you up. I am Wayne, and this is Elevated Friendship. So for today's topic, what I want to talk about is (laughs) how everybody's wrong. (laughs) You know, this is not a, a popular concept, you know. How is everybody wrong, Wayne? Everybody's wrong? So how is everybody wrong? Well, let's just start at the top. We go K through 12 or, you know, into, you know, the education arenas and we get this beautiful buffet of, you know, math, science, English, uh, history. And then, you know, you've got like your chemistry or science. Maybe some type of uh, art class, which is like, oh, my God, so great for the brain. Um, You've got, you know, music, which, you know, if you're musically inclined, I'm already jealous of you. If you play an instrument or you play an instrument and you can sing. Um, And then you've, you know, got your athletics, which is, you know, where we get the blood pumping. It's a great idea. Um, If anything, I don't know, they they might want to look at doing something with with schools and kids where, uh, you know, maybe you know, 9 a.m., you know, everybody just goes outside and, you know, walk for a little bit, do kind of an organized thing, like kind of what I've seen in, in you know, some of the Asian countries to get their blood pumping. Um, they walk more, so they're healthier. No, not as many cars, Middle Eastern too, not as many cars, just more foot pedaling. But how's everybody wrong? Like a, <laughs> a lot of people, you know, they might not, you know, necessarily understand like, why am I saying that everybody's wrong? Well, let's just look at this. You have, you know, 12 years solid, like solid. It's not broken up like, you know, if you go to college or go to a junior college or decide that one day you're going to get, you know, your, your PhD or your master's and you have that gap of time um, between, you know, respective organizations and, and, and schools. Um, K through 12 is solid. And, We've done this as a country for I don't know how long, maybe a hundred years. Uh, we've we've had school. Now it hasn't always been the same. We've had segregation. Um, there's like still the, you know, schools funded by the uh, neighborhoods that they live in. Which I mean, let's just be honest. Like if everybody makes trash income in one area, they're gonna have a trash school. So how are you going to allocate proper funds for, you know, that area when you got, you know, families in places where, you know, the kids never even spent a dime for, you know, school because of a 529. So we go K through 12, no gap, K through 12, learning and history. And not one time (laughs) do we as parents or students stop. And listen to our heart and say, is that the whole story? Where's the Irish chapter in history? Where's the Asian chapter in history? Where's the Native American chapter in history? Where's the African American, the black, the Negro, the slave chapter in history? It might have a couple pages. It might be lumped in with the Civil War. You might see the Confederate flag and you know, you might see, you know, some of this stuff up. It might, but 
we just don't do a quality job, in my opinion, of uh, teaching all history, um, which is why as you get a little bit older, it is pretty fun to, you know, look at like the History Channel where you get gobs and gobs and buckets of just history upon history upon history. But you can't, and I will say this in defense, you can't expect the school to teach you your own heritage. Like I have a neighbor next door. He waves this, you know, uh, Irish flag, and, and I absolutely love it. It's beautiful. Um, I'm 7% Irish, so, you know, I can get, I can get some love out of that, (laughs) but, um, we don't, um, we don't really get the whole story. And so when I say everybody's wrong, what I mean is our accountability system for, you know, the way we interact with not just our history, the way we interact with one another and our attempts to actually remove the blocks that have been put in our society. So yeah, let's talk about education. Let's talk about history. Let's talk about morals and, you know, let's talk about behavior. So the education piece is, you know, kind of funny because you really, um, I don't know. You really don't. uh, What's the best way to say this? You don't know what you're being fed until you have a chance to go to different restaurants. Um, Like, like, for example, um, I just didn't think that orange chicken was very good. And I had heard, you know, one of my favorite comedians, Joe Coy, talking about it. In you know, one of his stand ups, how, you know, this orange chicken was so good (laughs) because of the uh, Mexican cook that was making it. And like, that's the thing. If you 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 go out and eat Mexican, you eat Chinese and you like you love these foods. um, At some point, you can get a bad taste of something and think that it's not good anywhere. So. We had some family over. We were going on and on and on about how this, you know, restaurant down the street, this Chinese restaurant is so great. I met the cook. Like this guy is like, you know, just <laughs> like straight old school Chinese. He's got like a, a chief's hat on. And I like thanked him like again and again for his food because it was just amazing. But I just took a dab, a sample of uh, my sister-in-law's food. She got some orange chicken. And I just saw her just just slamming this plate, just eating it. I'm like, God, that looks kind of good. I'm like, hey, can I have a bite of that real quick? Took a bite. My mouth just flavor exploded. Juice. I know your mouth is probably watering right now. But it's just to my point. I had gone all this time thinking that orange chicken just wasn't a good dish. So it wasn't until I had a chance to try a quality opportunity that I knew that, hey, this is like real good, you know, like maybe I should, I might order this next time. I might choose this next time because I've had a chance to have a quality representation of it. So what I'm saying is when we're teaching education, when we're looking over our kids' shoulders and when we're learning this education, when you start to see that it doesn't line up 
with all of history. And no, it's not going to be able to take into account everything. Not even the Bible has all the books in it. But no, you're not going to have all of history. But you can take that as a side note and say, hey, this book is incomplete. Like it doesn't even give the, the full story of how they wrote the Declaration of Independence. Like there's a whole year missing of stuff that they didn't talk about or the, the Boston Tea Party or, you know, there's like whole stuff missing. There's stanzas missing out of the uh, um, Star Spangled Banner. There's like, hey, there's like stuff missing. Like, did you know that? So if you ask the teacher, if you look at the author and the editors and you find out why they might have, you know, not included that because of, you know, time constraints, because they didn't feel like it fit the, the theme or the flow or the canon of the book or the publishing, you know, if that's them, hey, okay. But when it keeps happening continuously and the school system buys that book from that person, you kind of have to make a choice to go up to that person and say, hey, like, do you have stories that are told incomplete? Do you like incomplete stories? Because if you're watching The Matrix or watching, you know, Avengers Endgame and we go from Captain America uh, uh, not having a shield to now he's, you know, at the very end fighting Thanos and picking up a hammer. You're like, wait, what? Like he just went from looking um, all kind of uh, like a, a lumberjack in one scene and he's got this pointy looking uh, shield and now he's got his old outfit back on and he's got a, a shield and a hammer like what what happened here or luke skywalker goes from <laughs> let's let's really skip luke skywalker goes from just meeting obi-wan kenobi to now having a metal hand like hey what happened what do we miss why does he have a metal hand now and that's just what i'm saying you even watch movies like the notebook who are these old people that they keep showing on uh on the screen and what happens to Rachel McAdams and Scott Marsden? Like, Oh, okay. There's, there's a lot of story in between here. Maybe we should tell that. So in our education as men and as women, I feel like we've been lazy on this fact where because of life, because of the many issues that, you know, come up, you're not going to sit down and read that book with your children. And as a child, you're not going to know the realm of history and education that sits there and is available to you. You know, it isn't until you do a little book report. This is where your mind really starts to grow. Um, it isn't until you do a little book report that you kind of start to see the world is a little bit bigger than that book. And, and, and the country is a lot bigger than that book. So. You'll have things going on in that book through your education um, that is not the whole story, especially when you have people with doctorates that have devoted their time and energy to this field. So education, in, in, in essence, is just a sample. It really is. It's really just a sample of, of, of things to come if you get a, a taste or a thirst for it again. Now, when it comes to history, the history alone, this is something like completely, uh, uh, completely biased in almost every way. 
because the winner, whether it's an African general or a pharaoh, the winner, whether it's a European, uh, a British um, uh, president of the United States, emperor, uh, uh, you know, from an Asian, Korean, North Korean, uh, Mongolian, Japanese, wherever the ruler is from, they're going to be biased to their cause. So history in itself is really history according to. <laughs> That's what you used to say, history according to. So then when you understand that according to, history according to, you're saying, oh, well, okay, if Wayne is telling the story about track and field, it's going to be a full in-depth analysis from an athlete's perspective. That's what I'll give you. But if you ask me to narrate, to commentate, and give point-by-point point breakdowns on the Blackhawks for a full NHL season, people will be so mad at me for not giving a full in-depth analysis of what the Blackhawks are doing because I'm new to this. This is this is some that's a whole new world for me. The ice is so new and different to me. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to Wayne Gretzky this thing. Yeah my name is Wayne but I'm not gonna be able to Wayne Gretzky into this thing. So the history is the history according to if you can't understand that I don't I don't know how best to phrase it. My family tree, as told by me, is going to have way more emphasis on certain things than somebody just sending me an email from Ancestry or somebody sending me, you know, a document, you know, telling me a little bit about what was going on at that time or date in history. So this is something that we all are guilty of. We'll tell the history and the story and we'll say that. Somebody won a fight just because they're from our same town. No, no, he won that fight. He won that fight. No, no, he won. He won. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, you guys are from the same city. Like, that's what you have in common. But that doesn't mean he won that fight just because you know him. So we do that. We do that all the time. All the time. We're, we're guilty of that, of history it's not complete and told in its whole because if it's complete and told as a whole story, there's humility in it. There's honesty in it. And the theme takes a back seat to what really happened and what really is. And you start to see that these men and women that we call heroes were just trying to defend a way of life. They were just trying to defend the earth's soil and, and, and all that happens on it so that, that nastiness doesn't make its way back to the U.S. or make it back to a certain village. Um, so, yeah, there's your history. Oh, boy. So history, education, morals and behavior. OK, so <laughs> education, history, morals and behavior. Now, when I talk about morals, I don't mean, oh, you know, go ahead. I, I, I have just as many, you know, grocery items as you in my cart. But yeah, go ahead. I can see you've got, you know, kids. I, 
I mean the golden rule, you know, treat others as you like to be treated. And all the things you associate yourself with. On a deeper level. So I had a friend send me um, this was a really nice music video. It's a a Christian hip hop artist um, named Flame. And, you know, he was sending me this or, or he's in the song like he's talking about defending you know, the First Amendment and how it's being taken away from us and, you know, just making that stance. And I, I I agreed with him that it is a great video. It's a beautiful video. It's well shot. It's well done. I understand the content. I understand where he's coming from. Like there, In many ways, I could have made this, you know, video myself at certain points in my life. Um, I'm not a rapper, <laughs> but I spit hot fire. Um, I'm not a rapper, but I had to kind of come back at him and tell him, I'm like, you can't tell me this is a Christian country. (laughs) I'm like, we're not. You name one time consistently where we have seen that Christ, that Christianity is honored in this country. And I asked for, you know, specific vivid examples. When do we allow prayer over a uh, commencement speech at a college? When do we allow prayer in public on camera before the White House addresses something, before an amendment or not amendment, a policy is signed, before Congress makes a move, before, I don't know, they have two hours to read a 2000 page document. Do they pray over it? Is the blood of Jesus Christ on these things? Well, if it's not, then it's not a Christian country. The Bible says the government will be on his head. And that responsibility will be on his shoulders. So when it comes to morality, I already know when I'm talking to a Christian member and not a Christian. It's a complete, completely different scenario. When you have a membership to a gym... You're just paying a little bit of money to come in and come out whenever you want. That's easy. That's a Christian membership. You don't really know all the equipment in the gym. You don't really use all the equipment in the gym. You've probably never even showered there. You just come in, come out, do your workout, grab your bottle, you wave and say hi to everybody. But you don't know all the equipment. You haven't even used all the equipment once. (laughs) You're a member. Now, if I say that you are Gold's Gym or Bali or Blue Moon or 24-Hour Fitness, if I say that you are vested to that company and that company's success is your success and that company's failure is your failure, that means that in some way, form, or fashion, you've embedded and invested into that company in a way that a member will not. You are you're a little bit more serious about this. So you hold open doors when people come to the gym. Maybe instead of working out, you take some time to clean off some of the equipment that's that's kind of been sitting idle for a while. Or, you know, heaven forbid somebody's working out so hard they forget to wipe it down. You wipe that piece of equipment down for them. It's not your job, but it's your gym. You're invested into this thing. And the life, the quality and longevity of this equipment allows you not to only enjoy working out there, but also receive payment and compensation 
as this gym does better. So you're going to be a little bit more invested and deep into that that quality and into that activity of that gym if you're invested, not a member. (laughs) So when I say morals, this is what I mean. Where are your morals? Do your morals come from watching Rocky movies? Do your morals come from uh, watching the news? Do your morals come from, you know, watching what Captain America does in a, in a tough situation? Um, where are your morals coming from? Because if, if, if you're Catholic, Baptist, Apostolic, Pentecostal, UPC, uh, Kojic, um, Lutheran, Methodist, Scientology, uh, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, This is embarrassing to me because growing up in a Christian household where, I mean, I'm not going to say it's the yin-yang symbol for balance, but you basically learn that there's a time and place for everything. And you start to learn that the Psalms and Proverbs are a way of life. So when you see people acting out of rhythm of what Psalms and Proverbs show you, you see people acting out of rhythm with what the New Testament teaches, I can easily say, well, you're just a member. You're a card-carrying member, but you're, you're not a Christian. I mean, you might go to this place every now and then, but I can tell based on what you're saying and doing that your morals don't blend into the real world. Like you, you carry them in your mind and in your heart, and you might share them with two or three people or maybe with your staff, you know, at, at, at select times. But I'm going to go ahead and dare say that Christians are so afraid to be Christians that we don't see Christianity in this country. And, and separation of church and state <clears throat> is maybe one of the biggest. Hmm. It's maybe one of the biggest uh, uh, downfalls, I want to say, of the church. Because like I said, like, what are we doing? Are we here to open the door for everyone else's religion to do whatever you want? Or are we a Christian country? And if we are a Christian country, then why isn't the cross on the dollar bill and not a pyramid with the Anubis eye, which kind of looks like when we worshiped the, the gods of Egypt. I don't know about you, but the last time I checked, Jesus wasn't crucified on a pyramid with an Anubis eye. He was crucified on a cross. So if that is your blood, if that is your savior, you should be a little upset morally that your savior doesn't show up more in the news, that your savior doesn't show up a little bit more on TV, that your savior doesn't show up a little bit more before games, prayer instead of a national anthem. I'm not praying to the American flag at night. I'm not praying healing over somebody waving the, I'm not going to drape the American flag over them, you know, uh, uh, to heal them or bless them. Or, you know, I think surgeons even have a prayer, even if they don't believe in God, they just pray, you know, hey, God. But what is that God that in, in God we trust? Who is that God? So morally, this is where I'm saying 
the Christian is the moral authority in this country. And I believe that you're scared. You're scared to be Christian. And that's what's, you know, it's like really shocking to become a man and use Christian principles out in the world. You're actually treated worse as a Christian man than you would getting drunk, being file, defiled, and, and, and vile, I'm sorry. You're actually treated worse as a Christian man doing a good thing, opening doors, not engaging in fights, praying for people, loving people, giving them forgiveness, giving them second chances. They walk all over you. Christians do this to Christians. Where's your morality? So that's what I'm saying. If Christians are willing to harm and step on the backs of other Christians and not spiritually grow and not find peace, love, wisdom and understanding and knowledge. If Christians are willing to do that to other Christians, what's the rest of the country supposed to look like? I mean, what we're seeing from uh, uh, pedophilia and from priests and, and this child molestation and Catholic churches, it's a joke. What we're seeing in some of these churches that are just uh, 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 grumbling up and, and, and grabbing up funds so they can do whatever they want is a joke. What we're seeing from some of these black pastors taking advantage of the, of the body of the church so they can have girls to screw. It's a joke. So <laughs> what I'm saying is if the church is willing to harm the church, the body of Christ. And be exactly what Sodom and Gomorrah was. Why should I save you? Why should I help you? And this isn't something that's getting better. It's getting worse. And so when I hear, you know, uh, when I hear the talk of the rapture, when I hear the talk of revelations, I'm like, well, you do understand that that's not going to work good for you <laughs> as a Christian. It's not going to work good for you. If this is what you really believe, man, get ready because it's not all fun and games. If you're not rapture or rapture ready, hey, come on now. So when I say that you're all wrong, the one thing that I've kind of noticed, which kind of it like it really bothers me. You all recognize that there's a Christ. You all recognize that you're in the body of Christ. You all recognize that you love the Lord Jesus Christ, but not one time will the spirit lead you to cross communities and help to cross communities and redefine what your relationship is. If you're reading the same Bible, I realize there's different versions. What's stopping you and preventing you from molding and blending and helping and healing this community that you know without a shadow of a doubt is hurting. Come on now. <laughs> you go out west, you go out to the suburbs or east, whichever direction you want to go. And what do you see? These beautiful thousand seat, thousand occupancy churches. They don't take any offering. They just put a little basket in the back. You can donate if you want. They got a school connected. They've got several nonprofits running, you know, out of that. 
that make, you know, more than you make in your small business. Um, there's healing there. There's hope there. There's love there. Um, but here's my question. Coming from a $200,000, $400,000, dollars and $800,000 home, is that person going to experience the same type of downfall, shortfall, and uh, 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 mental erosion as someone who doesn't come from a family of college graduates, who doesn't come from a family of people that can have six months of, of liquid income ready if they were in a struggle, coming from a place where people haven't really got it together yet, but you still care about the 99. When Jesus says, I go to take care of the one. And when you've done it to the least of mine, you've done it to me. So what are you doing to God? What are you doing to Christ? When you choose to ignore what is right, you choose to ignore what would make you better if you were in that scenario. Like put yourself in that in that person's shoes. They were a big time lawyer. They were a big time fireman. They were a big time police officer. Something happened and knocked them all the way down to the bottom of society. They'll never recover. You looked at them as a hero, but now that they're in the bottom of the gutter, due to a couple mistakes, mistakes, they lose all their wealth. They lose their family. They lose their friends. And they're knocked down to the complete bottom of society where you would never want to be. Are you going to do the Christian thing and go and resurrect Lazarus? He's dead. He's dead. So if you won't go resurrect Lazarus and Jesus says greater things will you do than this. If you won't do that, then why should I do it for you? Why should I save you? So this is what's hard for me. <laughs> all these Bibles, all this church, all these missions and missionaries that go around the world to bring the message of Christ to, well, we've got to fight. You know, they're pushing Islam on them. We've got to fight because of, of sex trafficking and all this and all that. But you, you drop, you, <laughs> your plane flies right over the neighborhood that needs the most help. Just love, just affection, just that I'm sorry. Hey, this is wrong. Let's get you on track. So when it comes to morals, I, I couldn't be more worried and confused when it comes to morals, because instead of just doing the right thing and loving one another and try to find, you know, a bond, we choose political party. I'm Republican. I'm Democrat. I'm pro-life. I'm pro-choice. I'm Black Lives Matter. I'm Blue Lives Matter. I'm All Lives Matter. LGBTQ. So <laughs> it's, it's just kind of sad and confusing at the same time because I'm just like, huh? <laughs> how, how did we go from Puritans to, you know, marriage and abstinence to this? Like what? So I'm not saying you have to be a prude. I'm not saying you have to, you know, restrict yourself from every great pleasure in life. But when it comes to this morally, morally, 
Are we really doing what we've been taught from the good book? My answer is no. You can't tell me that based on what we learned in Sunday school, based on what we learned in mass, based on what we learned in church, that you are out there doing what Christ did. Because if you call yourself a Christian, I'm going to expect you to do things like him. And it's not going to be convenient. You're going to be giving somebody a ride home. You're going to be volunteering to do some things. You're going to be around smelly, dirty people. It's going to involve you being in a place and a time where you might have to wash someone's feet. It might put you in a position of complete humility where you normally would not. You have anxiety and stress. It's going to put you in anxiety and stress. You don't like being told what to do. You're going to be told what to do. You don't like losing your power. You don't like lowering your body down to the ground. You're going to be lowered to the ground. That, in essence, is what Christianity is, is knowing that you're connected to a greater power, but also understanding that you might have to wash somebody's feet. You might have to feed the homeless. You might have to talk somebody off of a ledge or you might have somebody that's so high up. In 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 wealth and in power. That they're asking you for help now to make a decision on what's right and wrong. You got to be ready for that. And it doesn't mean caving in to what they're saying because they have money. So morally, are we really doing the right thing? No, (laughs) no, bro. Okay. so (laughs) last but not least, let's talk about behavior. Let's just put all the junk out there. I mean, you got black on black crime. You've got serial killers. You've got sex trafficking. You got the opioid crisis. You've got, um, you know, cancer. You've got obesity. Um, you have like our poor reading levels, like Americans are like number one in confidence. We're like number 11 or 12 in like comprehension and math and science. It just keeps like, like going down the list. Um, you know, we need to recycle better. <laughs> We're so divided politically always. Um, we have racism in our country. Um, no apology. Like, no apology for segregation, no apology for Jim Crow and, you know, even the uh, uh, stands where you could throw a baseball at a black baby um, playing with alligators killing black babies, um, you know, back in that Jim Crow time. There's no apology for slavery. It's just, okay, you're free. You know, and like. Women, women's equality, women, women in the workplace. Uh, (laughs) I mean, all the stuff that happens with gay, lesbian, homophobia, uh, the way it's flipped around to where Serena Williams isn't worshipped and praised as the, the specimen of intelligence, tennis, uh, dominance and wisdom that she is. But Caitlyn Jenner gets the cover of a magazine so beautiful. Um, We're just not fair. We're not fair in our behavior. We're not fair in the way we assess and judge things. And every person is guilty of this. Every person is guilty of this. The only difference is when a black person does it, it's only 15 percent. 
we're only 15% of, uh, of America. Usually it's like 13, but why are we putting out so many bad behaviors from our communities and then getting mad at others for not embracing and understanding us? You know, it's like, I don't know, say for example, my uh, refrigerator uh, or socket or light, my light bulb goes out. Well, because my light goes out and I don't have a light to replace it, I take that out on my neighbor. Hey, why didn't you help me with this light when my light went out? You could see that I was in darkness. Say it's your front porch. Hey, my front porch light went out. I don't have a light. Didn't you see that? My neighbor in kind response, hey, did you see uh, my grass turning brown and yellow? Like, why don't you say anything? Like, it's your own thing. <laughs> like, you got to take care of your own thing. But here's the deal. Let's look at Native Americans. Let's look at Irish. Let's look at Asians in this country. Let's look at Black, African American in this country. To be of color, Native American, Black, Mexican, Asian, even Middle Eastern, um, you are never in the majority of any number um, when it comes to population. Now, if it if it involves like some type of athleticism or you know, data IT or, you know, some other thing where you've collectively, you know, found like demographic research to where based on this one thing, there is more. Yeah, there's probably more. But for some odd reason, no one wants to understand that when you're not the majority, no one listens. Being African-American in this country, no one cares about your pain. No one cares about what you've been through. When in fact, I still carry the name of the slave master that had our family. If I change that, everybody looks at me funny. They send me requests for job interviews. I mean, it's, it's not funny. And then I am a runner. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a track athlete. So I'm just going to tell you like this. If we're going to run the 400 meters... And I don't get to start the race until you have a 300 meter head start. How am I going to catch you? Slavery ended and was cut off in 1865. Most of the towns and cities that I've been around came up and went up around that same time. (laughs) So you got 1776 and then almost 100 years later. 110. Almost 100 years later, you get all these towns and cities founded as you start to migrate and move west. It's a beautiful thing. The only thing is, while you were setting up a town, I was just getting out of shackles and nobody had any remorse or sadness for me. Hey, you know what? We were wrong. That was bad. We were bad people to you. We kept you in slavery and and didn't pay you a dime for what you you know, we're owed for all this work, but nowadays they have minimum wage battles. So that's what I'm saying. 
if you can't recognize that you had a 300 meter head start in the 400, I don't know what to tell you. And if you can't recognize that <laughs> we should be talking about serial killers and what happens at schools and not black on black or white on white or red on red or yellow on yellow crime in general, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I really can't. I can't go in on black on black crime if you want to talk about serial killers. All these specials on Netflix about serial killers, not one of them is black on black crime. Now, there is like 48 and, you know, like gangs and, you know, there's like stuff like that. But look at what's so popular on Netflix. Serial killers. Making a murderer. Like I watched this show terrified because I'm like, man, this is exactly what they do to us sometimes. So. The behavior is trash. Like we all could do a whole lot better. And instead of just throwing insults and phrases and hashtags at each other, we could do a much better job of inviting each other over to say, hey, like, can we talk about this like adults? Because our behavior does not reflect our intelligence. It seems like we just take something out of context, out of pure emotion and something that we find on a fortune cookie as far as uh, uh, information and then we just launch into each other with a full assault. So, yeah, we could do a whole lot better as far as behavior. But, hey, that's all I got. I love you all. I hope you love me back. Please like, love, share, and repost these messages. I'll see you soon.